Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. What's up, everybody? How you doing out there? Now, I got to tell you, I'm doing pretty good right now. Festival season is in full swing, and I have got one hell of a podcast for you today. My man Goldie joined me for a live podcast in London last week, and when you've had a career as long and as varied as this guy, you've got stories for days. G just dropped his new album called Journeyman, which is amazing, by the way. You need to check it if you haven't already. You got to get that one in your collection. It's an amalgamation of all the things that are goldy. And in the pod, he goes right back to the start, talking about when he was doing graffiti in Wolverhampton, his first trip to New York City, and his first experience painting on a train. We talk about parties we went to at Nellie Hooper's house, and Goldie takes us right through his musical career, including the catharsis he experienced creating Mother up to the present day. Now, he's an avid hot yoga practitioner and lives in an idyllic home he built with his wife in Thailand. He even does a demonstration of the posture he finds most difficult. It's called the Shavasana, or dead man's pose, he told me it's called. That was a great piece of podcasting right there. Goldie's just laying on the floor in front of a live audience. For all you Goldie fans out there, you won't need me to tell you that he's a true showman. This episode does not fail to deliver it, and it comes in two parts, so you'll have even more to look forward to later this week. So, yos, as always, if you enjoy this episode, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on the Acast or the iTunes, and tell your friends, spread the love, it's the Brooklyn way. So here it is, drum and bass legend, my man Goldie in conversation, live on Huey Off the Record. And it's the first voice you'll hear is my producer, Joe, giving a shout-out to some lucky winners who entered the competition to get tickets to the live event. She's a G. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Joe. I am the producer of Huey Off the Record. It's really amazing that we've got you all here in this incredible space. Thank you to all of you who entered. We had some incredible music suggestions for your most inspiring songs. I'm going to call a few of you out. I didn't give you the heads up on this, so don't be shy. So we had Rash Paul. Where are you? There you are, young man in the front. Yeah, you, you sent us about 10 songs and that, that tactic worked. <laughs> that tactic totally worked. But you did get picked for uh, Gonna Fly Now by Bill Conti, which is the Rocky theme. So that was the one. That was, 
Well, that was the one that tipped it over the edge, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and we have Amanda, lovely lady sitting in the front row here, with Straight Out Compton. Badass. Yeah, that's kicked off her clubbing days. Um, Diane, where's the lovely Diane? Here we are. David Bowie, Heroes, classic, always. Uh, Dan, where? Ooh, child. The f- yeah, the five stair steps, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of left field, but we like that one, yeah. And Gary, I mean, it would have been rude not to. Goldie, timeless. Tw- <laughs> he specified the 20-minute version. Yeah, it worked, though, it worked, yeah. Yeah, you're, <laughs> yeah, you're good with those tactics. Well done. Um, okay, so... We just want to say a massive thank you to Novotel, who have sponsored this podcast and made it all possible. Gifted us this incredible venue. Um, For those of you who are listening on the recording, we are all looking at this beautiful view over London. We are... (laughs) We're all feeling very wealthy right now. Um, So we are at the Novotel London Canary Wharf, and this is the new flagship Novotel, and... I think we can all agree this is a pretty damn cool hotel, right? This is an amazing space to be in. So mad props to Novotel. Thank you so much for making this all possible. And without further ado, let's get into it. We have everybody's favorite fun-loving criminal, Mr. Huey Morgan, and drum and bass legend Goldie, everybody. Give it up. Oh, yeah. So this is kind I'm of. Fake this mic, so I'm not well, I think you could do whatever. Yeah, you have a stand. You hey, could just put it mic. there. I got to do hostess okay. with the mostest. I, there you go. Now you can hear me, peoples. All right. So yeah. apparently these aren't going through a PA, which is kind of shit for us because we'll beatbox and it just sounds. Nah, like, it's fine. I got sound this. Like nonsense, I, got, right? I got this. As long as you can all hear me at the back, you might want to come up a little bit. I'm not sure if you want to do that. It's like it's raconteering. No, it's just like, nah, this is raconteering. <laughs> it's raconteering at its finest. Yeah. The good view. No longer the campfire your granddad built or something. It's a you know, big fear. Well, yeah, I, indeed. I think this is kind of cool. I've never talked... I have actually talked shit in front of people like this. We were talking about the... We were saying that this yeah. is both basically like when we used to get off our tits in the 90s. And, you know, we'd be, we'd be in a bar, but it's the kind of cleansing, you know, the cleansing version of that. Yeah. So like we'd have the, the yayo. At, yeah. at Nelly Hooper's house or something. Yeah, you know? yeah, the party. Oh, God. You went there. <laughs> we all went there. My eye's going. Is my yeah. eye going? Yeah, there, there were some very infamous moments, really, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, I mean, I think it was a bit of a blur. Yeah, yeah, but we did talk shit to probably this amount of people at given yeah. times. Yeah, yeah, and 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 of course we get pulled up at, the, at a cheese counter in Waitrose saying, "Do you remember that party?" I'm, I'm trying to buy cheese. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so that's it, kind of strange. That's really. very true. Now I wanted to ask you first. First of all, thank you for coming on the podcast. Normally, like I said, we do it in the privacy of just wherever we'd hang out. But uh. Considering that y'all are here, I know there's some questions y'all want to ask, and we're going to get some Q&A in a little bit later, yeah. but I want to ask you right off the bat, when I first met you, all we talked about for like the first five, six times was New York City, <laughs> yeah. right? So tell New me York. about how you got into New York City, because it's a great story, man. Uh, well, I, I mean, I, I, um, I, I was always, I always knew I was an artist. I was always getting pens and stealing markers from somewhere. This is before graffiti kind of happened, and then... Uh, you know, we, we were breakdancing and getting into the whole culture of hip hop. It just hit us really hard. You know, we see on daytime TV, and you know, I and my friend just we got this book, and it was Subway Art, and I opened it up and saw these trains, and it just blew my mind. You know, this 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 art was being painted by 
a set of people. At that time, I was thought, just these guys from New York, but it was culturally, you know, Hispanic, Puerto Rican, Cuban, Afro-American. Uh, and it blew my mind that, you know, I look back on that. And uh, what happened, we were breakdancing, this kid called Brim Fuentes came to the Shaw Theatre in London to, to do a workshop on graffiti. And it was Cookie Crew and some of the London guys. And he came down and Bambata was there with him. And we made it like a, a trip in a Volkswagen minibus to London to the Shore Theatre, you know. And then in the daytime, we came in in the morning, we were going to Lilywatch trying to find a Kangol in the sports department. So we can find Kangols here, you know. This yeah. is, <laughs> it's believe, London, yo. Believe me, you'd go to our, da- you know, we'd, you know all these kind of like really messed up, can I say fucked up people walking yeah, into, yeah. you know, coming into a, you know, into, into, into an abadashery store, you know, trying to find like thick enough ribbon to put in your sneakers so it looked cool you know and uh you know started stealing stealing lots of golf apparel because it was cool you know and, and um and we did that i went to common garden there's this bit a few kind of dances that happened and then nelly and all those guys well basically what happened was brim kind of liked me he just took a liking to me he said yo we got to get him in new york man and nelly wanted to nelly and he well, sorry howie and nelly who i'd met later on Brim Fuentes was a really massive influence. I've seen him in Hip Hop Arena before. And, and he's this kid that jumps into the tracks and runs across the train tracks and jumps out again. But he wanted to, they wanted to make this documentary about graffiti, but he wanted to see Birmingham and he wanted to know where the riots were happening. He wanted to go to, to Liverpool. And so the director didn't have a choice. He was like, I ain't going to make this movie, man. I want to go up north. And he I came to... see the Mersey, yo. Yeah, I want to yeah. see the Mersey. So he came to Wolverhampton. And I... <laughs> I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? I want to this see is where your environment. Are from. I know it's really weird because the bombing documentary, which expanded because of Brim, and God bless him, because I wouldn't be here without him, you know. And I, I, I'd obviously been into this book for about a year, Subway Art, and seeing all this stuff, and was going to like Halfords to steal like the pissiest paint ever, <laughs> you know, which took like forty layers just to get the red to look red. They didn't have the Krylons. Oh, no Krylons, none of that stuff. It was like really bad Halfords paint that you paint, you paint your bike with. You know, so I like, I'd be doing crazy shit like painting the wall white with emulsion, then doing that, letting it dry overnight, so you get actually a good print, then, yeah. then painting the next day, and then it rained on the third day, so the white just drips all the emulsion over what your attempt was, a really bad piece of graffiti anyway. And, um, and it was crazy. He just, his impact on my life was huge. And he said, why don't, we, why, don't you, why don't you get him out to New York? So me and the guy I was breakdancing with called Birdie, we got this Virgin ticket. I hadn't left the country. And uh, we thought it, they thought it would be a great idea. And I, I'm in New York, in Manhattan, staying at a Chelsea hotel. You know, hanging out of a, a window. Went down a Chelsea lot of shit went down the You know the Chelsea hotel? Anybody raise their hand if you don't know the Chelsea hotel. All right, a lot of bad shit went down there. Like, yeah. <laughs> like Sid stabbed Nancy there. Didi D- Ramon yeah. smoked crack in the basement and spoke yeah. to Johnny Thunder's dead but ghost. But he OD yeah. there. He OD there, right? I think he was crazy. And it was just one of these places that I remember, you know, I remember. I've got a Goldie stayed there. No, but I've got this. No, but I've got this. I've got this footage of me standing by a window like this, going, "Look!" And the Chelsea Hotel, going, "Mano banana, salada banana, mano banana," trying to act like Spanish because obviously everyone, everyone's speaking to me in Spanish because I look like Puerto Rican. Yeah, I thought he was Puerto you know? Rican. I was like, "Hey, mano," he's like, "Yeah, I know, mano." Goldie, I was, I was like, "All right." What you mean, mano? From Wolverhampton? What are you talking about? So, you know, I had this thing, and, and they just talked to me, and I always remember like, and then going from Manhattan. 
to, to the Bronx with Brim and the film crew and this city just changed and it was like this dream of the Big Apple just just died all of a sudden but in a good way yeah. it was like rebirth and um, what was strange about it was that when Brim came to Wolverhampton and we had to break into my mother's flat because she got evicted <laughs> and and we went into my bedroom and I had my first mural because I was always I was always one of these people that was like, moving a Virgo it's got to be the whole thing If you, you're not going to attempt to do graffiti until you've got it right on paper yeah. you get it absolutely right did you block it out? I blocked it out yeah. and made sure the colours were right. And I painted this American flag with a Statue of Liberty and B-Boys on the wall in the bedroom. And it was the whole thing. Damn. And we broke in with a torch and they're filming this shit. And I'm like, yeah, man, I want to live the dream, man. And then I realised that when I get to Manhattan, that wasn't what, the, you know, that, that Statue That's of Liberty. That's not the dream, yeah. That ain't the dream. Yeah. And I was walking with Brim after we finished filming across the Bronx, which was still, you could still smell cinders because yeah. he was the Bronx was on fire for that two years before that and there were literally blocks that were it was a little bit like this before they built this you'd have one building and then you'd have like 10 blocks where it was just rubble yeah. and a few roads if, my, my wife and I were watching the movie The Get Down that thing on yeah, Netflix I mean, it, it was, I mean the only thing that was actually historically accurate was the fact that shit was fucked up yeah, yeah it was all I mean? fucked yeah. up I mean everything was else was, was a little bit shady in the way they put that together mm -hmm. but I think I, I, I never forget this. I remember we were on a handball court because I'd obviously had this, this book and it was about trains and I hadn't seen people doing graffiti in handball courts, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah that, that was the big cement wall that so, changed You every know, it's week. like the yeah. community centre yeah. was the handball court. So culturally, I'm taking all this in, man. And I'd, I'd seen these pieces and I saw this Futura piece and I smoked, you know, I remember trying to roll a spliff and, and Brim's like, what do you mean you put a cigarette, put a Newport in the, in the blunt? Are you, are you crazy? Because it was like pure weed with like the cigar with the fat willy and you know, you'd pull out the tobacco from the cigar and you'd roll it. And he's like, go on, smoke it. It's a blunt. I'm like, all right, yeah, cool. Yeah, this is great. I'm like, oh, this is too crazy. The world's going to end. But I remember standing out. I remember standing looking at this graffiti piece, Futura. And I just felt the blood. I felt it coursing through me, man. I felt my vein. I felt alive. In a way, I'd never seen anything like this. And, uh, you know, we'd gone back to Brim's house. And, and I ain't going to lie, man, seriously. He's like, yo, man, let's go. So we, we're going to go out of town. I'm like, you know, we're going to go see some blow. And I'm like, oh, what's blow? I'm like, yeah. go out. And we go to this, this tenement yard. We're going up these stairs. And there's like a, there's a guy with two Rockweilers. And there's some heavy guys in the basement. We go up another flight. And there's another set of guys. Yeah. And we go to this door. And it's like a steel door. And we bang the door. And we go in. And it's... There's like a corridor with goons either side and you go in there and it's like big fat guys sitting there with a pair of scales and I'm like, I just want this to be over really quickly. <laughs> and then Brim does some transaction and some shit. Well, how much did he buy? It sounds it like, like you guys are like, or some or, shit. Or, or, I, I thought it sounds like you guys are buying kilos. No, no, and, you no, know, it sounds like, to me, <laughs> yeah. to me, it might as well have been. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I'm like, shit, and this, you know, we just, you know, we just get high and we're just buzzing and then we start, you know, I'm like, what does this shit do? And he's like, yo man, you're going to be like a lawyer. <laughs> you're going to speak like a lawyer think you know everything to deal with and then you're going to seal the deal and then you're going to collapse <laughs> alright cool uh, that's pretty, that was, yo for all you kids who have not done that drug that's pretty much what it is in yeah, a nutshell and, and you know you know, and that's it and you know what that's it you know guys don't do drugs it's going to yeah. fuck you up you're going to act like a lawyer you're going to act like a super lawyer without the car and the Maserati <laughs> I object your honor. Yeah, yeah and that's it so you know what I mean? You know, you know, you might just be able to afford a, a half a gram, but you're not going to get the hookers to go <laughs> yeah. with it. So you know, 
It's one of those kind of things. So this transaction is, was, pretty, was, was a pretty bad transaction. But of course, so believe me, the dollar exchange was good then. Back then, yeah. I got a lot of Yale for my pound, man, right? So it was a great experience. And then we did like, you know, then we did like this commercial in Fordham Road. Which was crazy, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's the Bronx. Yeah, the Fordham Road's you know, like famous. That's where you got the good sneakers, though. Well, right? I listen, man. I I went there, and when Brim took me to a thrifty store yeah. in Fordham Road, and I walked in because you know they you know we're looking at breakdance videos, the way we, on Gladys Knight or Buffalo Girls. We're looking at videos, and um, back then you would collate with a kid that could edit. What you'd do is you'd get a press play and record and the pause button yeah. on your TV, and anything that was to do with breakdance, you put it on. And you'd have a compilation, like a mixtape, yeah. of video clips. Chronologically. Too. Yeah. yeah, and you'd go, oh my God, look at these sneakers. Pause, pause. It's, it's a pair of Puma States, man. It's, it's, it is. We can get it. We travel around London trying to find these things. And, and then we'd go and I'd see my first like Ice Wash Goose, the original Goose yeah. Down Bomber. And I, um, I just got this shit. And what I did, what I did, they only had one pair left. And at that time... I was a size 10, right? You get the wrong Listen, size. No, this was a, this, the only one they had was a light pink, <laughs> light pink Puma State, and it was a nine. And I was going to make that shit like bitches in heels, man. You know, you yeah. can wear your shit. It's like, Just I see these women going like this in a club. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm a homeboy, man. I'm going to walk this shit off. You know, and I'm like, this shit's fucking blisters and all, but I did walked you, it off. Did you take the laces in? Like, because I, I never, I always say, don't choke your laces, now, right? Now choke them, take them yeah. out, yeah. spread them out, mm-hmm. you know, and just Easy. be b-boy. And that Easy. was it. And for me, that that culture from a kid from Wolverhampton, the first time it impacted me, and we, of course, went to Henry Chalfont's studio yeah. in Canal Street. And I remember walking in his studio, because we obviously were doing this documentary, and Henry Chalfont, for those of you who don't know, him and Martha Cooper put this book together. So imagine... The two years before this happens, you see this book called Subway Art. Yeah. And then two years later, you're in New York, you're in Canal Street at this studio of a sculptor who was, he was taking all this shit down. He'd given up at a, at a sabbatical ways, photographing these. These kids would phone him up at his studio, which I found out later on, and say, yo, Henry, you know, he's coming in on the, on the east side. And he would go out, he would get a tip left on his answer machine, and he would go and photograph on the different stations the trains. And he archived this over the years. And he had these, these big gnarly ass books of just train after train after train. And a lot of them historically now have gone. They will they'll never exist. Yeah. Um, and that's like burning the Mona Lisa or getting a Picasso and just throwing it in a river and losing it. I'm sure those guys lost a lot of work. But for something that was culturally uh, probably the most important and significant, this was, this was for me, when I look back on it, the first internet. Kids, yeah. kids, communication, tool communication. Sure. We're sending signals, messages to Queens. We're sending Queens, sending messages to Brooklyn. You know these different pathways, these trains, these veins. Yeah, they go through. They start in Brooklyn. They go through Manhattan. They cut over to Queens. They go back into Manhattan. Go up to Brooklyn. You know, and you'd put your own little mark on it. And by the time it got there, like I mean, it was almost like smoke signals. It was exactly yeah. that. And I think the importance of the first trip was uh, we were breakdancing. And we got to, we went back in, back down to Manhattan after this crazy, I was in the Bronx River, I met Bambada, you know, we're there in their community. And I'm finally in their, in their Heath town, which was my hometown then, which kind of brims all the relevance. He was like, I feel like I'm at home where you live. And I, I never thought this kind of a state would even be 
would even exist, but they have projects in the UK. Yeah. I found that really bugged out too. I was like, whoa, what's going on? All of a sudden, yeah. well, you're at Notting Hill and you turn and make a left and all of a sudden it's not you're there. It's not you Hugh know. Grant, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know, it's crazy. So, we, we, you know, I, I come back and it was so mind-blowing. You know, I, I wanted to completely throw myself into this culture and I wanted to be the bad, you know, baddest ass of graffiti and everything else. And I kind of went back and had a, a time there without everyone else and, you know, without, and just stayed with Vulcan. Mm-hmm. And Bram and just stayed there. And he was. He is dropping names like he's in the Chinese phone book. These people he's talking about, Future, future I mean, these yeah. are the guys, you know, that started this whole thing. And it was crazy because when I went back there, you know, my, my old thing was Painted Train. It was 116th Street in Lexington. Yeah, yeah. And I go to Vulcan's house. Vulcan takes, goes, gets an old sofa. He pulls the sofa apart, takes the foam from the sofa, pours plaster of Paris over the foam letters in white. Then he paints them with zebra stripes, puts them in his massive shopping bags with loads of glue. That's we go with all his paint and we go, we pull off the lid. We go down and down and down. We get into the layup because it's freezing cold in New York yeah. and they kept the train on a layup. It's like a inside a tunnel to keep the train warm. Like off to the side of a tunnel, yeah. So it's like a little, a little, a little skip that you could put the train so it keeps, it keeps warm. It's going to keep it at first service. And uh, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm painting this train in New York and I put, it was, I've got a picture of this train. It's amazing. Yeah. It says Gerald and it's Loveheart. And then, and then Vulcan, Vulcan's sitting down with his foam and it's like he's got these letters that he's sticking onto the train and he's like, keep your feet there for like three minutes. And I'm like, yes. okay. And we're sticking, it's, it's actually sticking letters to the side of the train, man. And a lot of cats wasn't even doing that. It was about being creative. Yeah. But I remember there was this big hoo-ha and this is a really, I don't think I've ever told this story. A year earlier that I'd gone there and finally got this, this, this apple that had been, not destroyed, but rebirthed, if you like. I'd met Knock 167, oh, okay. and who did Star Wars. Okay. I've never seen the documentary. Another, yeah, another amazing the, the, artist. When he says Star Wars, the graffiti documentary, which is basically the Bible for us. You've got Wild Style and Star Wars. Star Wars, this piece that was done by Knock 167, was just the most mind-blowing piece. I mean, the guy was an angel dust. He was... He was this little kid, and he, I met this kid, and then I met Case 2 comes along. And Case 2 was the guy in Star Wars that's like, you know, one leg, one arm, and he's a yo, 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 the beast master, one arm Case. And I'm like, this guy's a legend. And we're doing this commercial, and I've got this cycling top. It's an Atla cycling top to break, right? Because <laughs> cycling tops were the thing, right? So we change, and I put the top down. I turn around, and he's got it on. He's just got the top on. Like he just victim. He, he just took, took your shit. He just took my shit. I'm like, um, that's that's my top, man. Like he's like, oh, I don't know, nigga. I don't know. Sorry, man. Uh, you want you want the shit back? And I'm like, yeah, I kind of want it back. You know what I mean? But I remember putting it on, and it just smelled of him. Yeah, in a good way. It, well, kind of funky. You know? Yeah, I mean, but it was like he's a funky I'm dude. Like, Geez, this guy's a dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, I'll never wash it ever again. Um, but it, the, 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 this is the story, though. This is the get back. Meeting your heroes and meeting these guys like this are in this seminal documentary. I saw him the year later. There's this big commo- commotion and he just came out like a gorilla in the mist. He came out of this darkness, man. And he was like, yo, man, you got any paint? And he was cracked out of his mind. He was like, he'd gone. And, 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 and Vulcan and, and Purr and uh, Dero. Oh, Dero. Dero yeah. was there. Dino, Dero, right? Dero. Dero was having his beef with his other cats. So they get in the car and they have a fight. Because he'd been crossing him out for a year, which is his whole thing. And then the next thing is that this guy just turns up going, yo, man, 
I remember you. Oh. You that English dude, right? No, really, just hands off. Yo, man, you got some money over there? What you got? <laughs> so we gave him some pain. I gave him like 20 bucks or some shit. It was like, he kind of destroyed me. It was like this 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 feeling that it was almost, it was just consumed. You know, that yeah. whole that whole thing. Because people forget that, you know, I was always about, yeah, you know, you, you know, why do we paint about something good? That was, New York was too far gone. Yeah. It's about get your name up just for identity. Yeah. There, was, there was nothing else that was to, there was to it, you the, know? The one thing I kind of, with, with you talking about that story, and it happens to us because we're at a certain age where when we look back on our people that we knew back then, half of them are fucking gone because gone. of this thing. And it, you kind of see how New York kind of goes when all these good people go. Because Manhattan now is, it's pretty much just rich folk, man. Yeah, I just think that the... I think that Pandora's box of that culture. Sorry. I think the Pandora's box of the culture was so colossal. The power that came out of that stuff. Well, the that good, the good era, and the bad yeah, comes I mean, out. I mean, you think about like you know Gerb, Futura, Stash, all those dudes. But Basquiat, I mean Keith Haring, all these dudes were hanging with all these. They're all part of the art. same yeah. thing, and it was like I guess. But there you, were you, a you lot of Banksy drugs, now. Yeah. It was like they had Who? lots of banks. That's what I'm saying. You yeah. mean that dude from, from yeah, Massive Attack? You know I mean? Oh, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know. <laughs> <laughs> is it Robin? Is it oh, Robin? What do we say? Did I say that shit out loud? Uh, Rodriguez. It's Rodriguez. <laughs> you know? Really? I revealed what? <laughs> Get out of here. Fuck out of here, man. I am Banksy. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, I am Spartacus. Yeah, no, I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. There you go. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Right. So we had this whole thing. And it was like then you had all these guys that were really that paid homage to those riders because they knew where the energy came from. And I think Fat Five Freddy knew that. Yeah, yeah. All these guys knew that. Well, Freddy hung with Basquiat. <laughs> he hung with everybody. He hung Freddy. with everyone. I, th I just think that that time was the most exciting time where the culture wasn't. He wasn't scared to. You see now 
we'll get paid to go and play some expensive party. You get paid. It's very clinical. Then mm. you could go and hang at Studio 54. These guys want to go and come to the Bronx and party with these guys because it was about that thing. It was about, we yeah. don't care. We want to be punk about this. Yeah, and, and also that was Delancey Car Service at Studio 54. Any of these clubs back in the day be like, yo, let's go up to the Bronx. How are we going to get there? Delancey. 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 Let's go to the Bronx. Yeah. Because it was, about, it was about this thing about... Imagine the guys from the West End going, yo, let's just go to, let's go to Hackney, man. Let's just go hang out with his homeboys yeah. and listen to some grime, yeah? Well, now that's... Brian, Brian, get your coat. We're going yeah. to Hackney. We're going to go listen. We're going to listen to... Ske- yeah. We're going to listen to... We're going to listen to Skeps and Stormzy back to back in his club in his house. Chuck your chain. Yeah. yeah. You know, that wouldn't happen, but it happened then because it, it wasn't surrounded by the social media bullshit. It wasn't... It was real cats who could actually understand about being down it wasn't about just being rich it was a class thing for those guys that people that made it really knew their roots mm-hmm. and, and Blondie was a big champion of that mm-hmm. you know Debbie Harry was a massive champion of that she's mad cool you know and it was crazy but I think you know coming back and fast forward the impact you know I'd like to take kids from you know you know I kind of see these kids now and it's like yeah man it was really bad we're living in a really bad time you got a flat man I know I get it you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah. have you been to like San Paolo have you seen this shit? Have you seen? Have you been to the Bronx and seen the? Re- I mean, when it's on fire, and, and you know, now shit's happening now, which reminds me of some bad shit that's going on. Yeah. I don't want to mention it, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's certain things shouldn't happen. It's day and age, but I feel quite blessed of seeing that because it's very insightful. I came back to this country, just changed, you know, and, and you give me, you know, fifteen kids who don't know who they are, I take them to India. Go practice some yoga any day in a week. I think you take someone out of this environment and you see the world because when you see the world through a phone, you yeah. don't see the world. You don't have any, any real quantum about real life. Mm. And that's the problem that we have. The, the, the trick, the velvet claw, I call it, of technology. The what? The, v- the velvet claw. You yeah. know, it's very smooth, yeah. but it's a claw, man. It's like it's going to destroy you in the end because that's great. You know, technology is about... Joyriding that bullshit mm-hmm. and joyriding it. I've never engineered. I've never, I've never wanted to engineer because I know my dyslexia and synesthesia would stop me. But you give me three engineers, I'm going to tell you what the fuck to do. You know why? Because I learned from graffiti. The out, the idea, the outline. Two dimensional to three dimensional to give me four dimensional Escher to give me the color so I can see and I can arrange the picture. And I can weave those letters in and out. And that's the picture right there. When you've got that outline, this is done, baby. It's done. Graffiti writers working in the middle of the night where brown looks like red and you don't have that many colors, you've got to make it work. You know, you run into a sweet shop and you go, and the the owner's not there. What do we steal? What do we steal? He's gone, he's gone, "Uh, uh, fuck it. You take nothing. (laughs) Right? So so these kids now are going, oh my fucking selfie, I'll take fucking picture, this, that, fuck. fuck, What do you do? What do you do? do? I don't know what we do. And and, you know, it's like if if you earn it in that kind of, the, the, the university of the street, I call it, because, yeah, yeah. because the arts was the, was the, fe- the effeminate. Yeah. The arts, the graffiti, the, yeah. the braiders, and yeah. the culture. The man, the, the, the male, was the aggression, the shooting, the game, mm-hmm. all of that. And it's always been on a parallax. Yeah. It's the choices we make coming up through that game. Because mm-hmm. when those guys started selling those tapes and started getting successful, you know, one of my oldest friends from Orlando who taught me to make goals, gold teeth and grills, you know, was... You know, they came from Suriname, Eddie's Gold, yeah. in the Coliseum. You know, he made Jay-Z's, you know, teeth, first yeah. gold tooth mm-hmm. when he was 17. He made Just Dice. All those front covers Just that Dice. we saw. Just, Just Dice. Dice. That record sleeve was like, My God. I want that one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, that 17. 
you know and it was like that so the culture of all of that stuff it wasn't like I'm trying to show off it was like I was in Miami where everyone had gold teeth well Miami work. is not like where the Kardashians hang out back yeah, in the day it, it, it wasn't it, like that in like the last 10 years but well it was yeah it was Miami booty clubs, was hard it yeah. was booty clubs and you couldn't go on the first few from, from Collins you couldn't, yeah. you couldn't go on the beach because that was like some Scarface shit. Yeah. You couldn't go on those. Those three floors. But, but the one thing I always loved was two things, actually. The yayo, you could eat on it. So anytime you go to like, <laughs> yeah, so anytime you, could, you go to like some kind of booty club, as he called it, they'd serve food because you could eat, right? It was that good. It was like yeah, beige. It's just really bad to say that you could eat on really good Coke. Sorry, that's a really bad thing. But you could, instead of being like, it's like now, you know, it's like, like speed driven. These are good olives, man. No, thank you. I don't want to dance. I want some more yeah. olives, you know. But it was, I think that part of the culture, and let's just round it off, but that mm. particular chapter of my life has resonated. I think even with the new album, you know, Cast Away yeah. is basically New York, Bronx Bound, Miami Nice, which is the name of a strip club, by the way, not like the nicest in the evening. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, and it was like, you know, like Ghetto Sound. It was also being in the grand uh, and, and listening to, to, to Kiss being played Prince yeah. on WBLS yeah. the first time I ever heard Kiss yeah. was on that radio so he reminded me the world's me, best looking sound that was yeah, their thing do you, right? you know what I mean and, and I think you know hearing Prince do that record it was like it stayed with me you know New York, even New York the impact of that record Kiss is I just you know just wanna, and also for me Tyler Daly come from Manchester he's a sweet boy he's got a sweet boy voice <laughs> and I mean to the point where there's a track on the album called This Is Not A Love Song and my friend says why would you get two lesbians to sing the song I'm like uh, they're both females. Uh, one's a male and one's a female. And like, they couldn't. They couldn't make the difference between what if Tyler was the was the girl or the guy because he's got such a sweet boy voice. But in soul music, you've always had that kind of yo. That's old school calling somebody having a sweet boy voice. Where the band would do the slide out and the yeah. main guy was like, yo, sweet honey, gotta keep me going. And the guys in the back are like, yeah, you know, and the guys like, yo, keep it going, honey. No, you sing at the back. You're not going to be the front singer. <laughs> So I've, I think I think that I think in terms of this story is really in that album, but without the words. We talk enough, me. Yeah. Well, the thing but is, when, the thing. when we first spoke about the record, because I was literally I I played the song on my radio show. I called you up, and you called me back. I, actually, I text him. He calls me because you know Goldie don't want to text. Goldie, don't, text he's like Machete. Goldie <laughs> don't text. Machete don't text. Goldie call you up, and you're like, Yo, I'm on the air. I got I got oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. no. My man's on the phone. But yeah, really, that was the thing. When I first heard it, all I heard was the stories you were telling me about New York, and it made me really think about all the things that I loved about the city. And it's really transcendental to be able to do that with music. I mean, it's one of those things where now we're almost we're almost conditioned to expect the unexpected. But this was unexpected to the mm-hmm. fact that. It was so vivid, you know, like all these influences that you were just talking about mm. were brought to bear on this record. And that's one of the things I loved about this new record. And you were telling me something really cool, which I want to mention. You were like, you know, I, 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 this is the best shit I've ever done. And you know what? I agreed with you then, and I only heard one song. And I've been listening to it, and I'm kind of like, you're bringing every, all this well, knowledge to the table. But I also think I get my, my, some of my friends that I keep really close, and you keep them, and they're really big critics as well. Oh yeah, they gotta and, be. And they'd be like, oh, he's just gassing again, man. You know what I mean? Like, he's just gassing. But I'm like, no, seriously. And my friend would call me and go, yo, man, kind of right, you know, blah, got a little tear in my eye, you know. It's like, you know, hardened people that are like hardened guys on roads yeah. that I know. But I think 
that's the thing. If your very fabric in DNA is made up of certain things, and I spoke about the Pandora's box, I became the parody of myself, man. I'm like, strictly come dancing on this and that. I'm like, get a pay for the divorce case. You know, <laughs> oh, because God. you do that. You know, you grow up, you do this. Oh, you know, I married a stripper. You know what I mean? I married someone that was not going to love me in the way that my, my mom was the same. I married my mother in that respect because that's what the Hoffman process was about. And for all of you that don't know what the Hoffman process is, just go and do that. I, I tried rehab twice. It failed. I think that the whole process of, of synth- cynicism of modern kids that are brought up in this synthetic world, for me... That old shit ain't going to work for me. The AA is not going to work for me because I've grown up in a different culture. So for me, to be, able to, to be able to be visceral with the record, there's something I've, I've always quoted other people and lots of other things, and we don't know where that line cro- go, is gray and we cross over. But the one thing I woke up with, I woke up at like three in the other night and just went, shit, that's it. A truthful idea lasts in the honesty of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I feel that that's kind of like, I feel the clarity that I have is I'm going to make a record like this. This is what it's going to be. And the process that I use is a type of, is what I call the seancic method. The you know, the seancic method. You look at a seance, it's like raising bad deity. This is kind of seancic where it's like, I pull a musician, a great engineer, some great people, keep the water clear yeah. because it's the water and the mud which messes up the artist. Not that not they've been able to do it. Doing it's not a problem. Yeah, she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? No, That's but doing... No, but you like, see, for me, it, look, it's doing... No, it's for me, I did that. I became a parody of myself. I did all these things. You know, I, I have this, this great reminder here, you know, of, of, of the greatest, the most beautiful accidents I've ever had. Pull out, man. Oh, yeah. I'm like... I've got this really great idea... I didn't. I didn't think this dude over here was like. Yeah, you know. That's not the reaction dude should have, man. I always think that the uh, it's that it's that beautiful accident. You know, I, was the, I did one reality show too many. I was trying. I was hemorrhaging. I was paying for a divorce. You know, this is a kid that's never had all this stuff. I never had the tools for being a father or a parent. So I'm thrown into this mad world. I've just blown the fuck up, and I'm. I'm doing like a private party for Catherine Zeta Jones and Michael Douglas and you know some mad security and this and that. And it's like, you know, I'm sitting in Chateau Mamma 1010 where Belushki OD'd yeah, yeah. with fucking Val Kilner going, speak to Ted Turner. <laughs> oh hey, it's Goldie Ted, is that Goldie? And it's like Ted Turner's on the phone. Yeah. And I'm like That's the guy who started CNN. What the you fuck? Know and I'm like, I'm like for real, that, what that, is this? Yo, he's trying to start a fight with a friend of mine in the bathroom. And it's just yeah, crazy he's and he's, he's a weird guy and I'm speaking and there's all these candles that and like Val Kilner's going, it's me and Val. It's me, Val Kilner, and Josh Evans, who's, who's still my best, yeah. one of my best friends, who's Robert, nice man, who's Robert Evans' son, who's like Mr. Hollywood. Yeah, and the kid stays in the picture. He's a, it's a great producer. book. It's a great book, and they're making a play right oh, really? now. It's going to open in New York. They did it here. Uh, one of my other friends, Clint Dyer, is playing one. They've got 12 versions of, oh, of Robert has, Evans. Oh, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, and they've got like, awesome one, one black version of him. <laughs> I guess that's the Coke version. I'm not sure which version that is. And um, he was just sitting there in his room full of candles, and he's like, yo, man, Thomas is amazing. And I'm like, yeah, where's the Coke? So it's kind of like this, this mad experience. And I think all of that's in the album, but the discipline, you know, the mirrored river, the river mirrored, you know, what you see in the water and what comes out of the water, and just being in a different environment. I thought to myself... I wasn't going to do anything. We built this house in Thailand, and what I, why I call it the yeah, beautiful. I heard about, yeah, that was well, why I call it the beautiful accidents because I was in a hospital. I was supposed to do this gig in Thailand in uh, in Asia. It got cancelled. I'm in a hospital for like 13 weeks. And so you're we in fought, for that. Yeah, like we fought, not we, getting out. 
we finally rebook this gig. I go to go to uh, Shanghai, and we have this big dinner. And my wife walks in. My future, my wife now. She's this woman walks in. First, my friend walks in. Now she walks in, and my boy's on the phone. I'm like, "What? You can't make it?" He's like, "No, nah, I'm stuck in Bangkok." Yeah. I'm like, "I thought you're gonna make this big dinner, man. It's our birthday in like a week. We share the same birthday." And then this girl walks in, and it's in this hotel called uh, it's called New Heights, and it's like my old colonial marble floors. Yeah. And this girl walks in with a pair of jeans and like heels. And I can hear this girl's heels on the floor, right? I'm like, I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on, man. This chick just walked in. He went, yeah, she's with me. And he jumps out behind his chick. And I'm like, ah. I'm like, so what's the deal with this chick then, man? And like, so we start talking to dinner. And anyway, we start dating. We have a, a two-week kind of mad dating in, in Japan. I'm not going to lie to you. It's the first time I've ever courted and, and not fucked, straight up. Mm-hmm. We spent two weeks on a bullet train. And... It, and how it started was that we watched a great film called Ashes to Snow and Fish is narrating it. Oh, yeah. Fishburne's narrating yeah, yeah. it. And it's by James Colbert, the, the, the yeah, lung yeah, diver. Yeah, yeah. Wow. He's a famous artist in, in New York. And it starts with his kid going backwards on a boat mm-hmm. through elephants. And we're, we're like, it's three sections. It's like these Buddhists, these swirling dervishes and Indians. Yeah, yeah, we're living with crazy. elephants. Yeah, yeah. And then this, this mad... These mad eagles and no, these, these old people that live with leopards. Yeah. And you can't tell the difference between an old man and an old woman. The, the yeah, that was trippy. Face. Yeah, it was like this. Yeah. Trippy. And it's all shot in real film. And we're just sitting there crying our eyes up at the end of this film going, we really can't fuck after this. <laughs> so we just, we just don't make out. And we just caught for two weeks. And then that's the whole thing. We, we, I, spent, I, I wrote letters for a whole year. And, uh, and then decided that's it. We, we went there for... For nine years running, and they decide, let's go and build a house there. Now, do you think because of your honesty with yourself now that this music can happen? Because I, I kind of came to a point too where you know where it was like, what, what am I really given anymore? And then you kind of go away, and you kind of get a sense of of truth in a lot of ways. Because I mean, we're I, I know you, and we're probably our own worst enemies in a lot of ways. Huh. You know what I'm saying? The enemy, the enemy. Yeah, enemy, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And, well, and once you kind of are brutally honest with yourself, which I know we both do on a, very many occasions, you almost come out the other end with almost a, let's say, hypervigilant sense of critical thought. We you become know? like all of our enemies that criticize us. We, we know when someone's watching this when you're buzzing or whatever yep. else. And you, and, you, and it really, I think it's the cracks in the China we saw and I kind of realized that and became a parody and, and, and I thought, am I going to reinvent? And I think Saturn's Return was that difficult second album, yeah. but I had to make Mother because the voice in my head was saying, Mother, I was lamenting for Mother. Mm-hmm. I had to make this 60-minute piece. I had to. I, I had no choice in yeah. the matter. And it was like, I can't communicate with my mother, but I have to make this hour-long piece for some sort of reason. Well, that, I mean, it was cathartic and it was also, you know, I mean, you probably learned more about yourself than you did your mother, right? Well, I, I, I think it was, I learned more about myself, but also I remember when, when uh, John Niven, who was the marketing director for London Records, you know, he made Kill Your Friends. Yeah. That book's based on me. Okay. <laughs> you know, the guy DJ Rage, who's got this Oh, you're DJ Rage? I'm DJ because of course. Oh, shit, that's right. Think about it. Oh, he says, man. He says that the chapter is DJ Rage hasn't let the record company listen to the record for a year. We finally get to the studio. His eyes are beady. He holds his hands out over the desk. He presses play and nothing happens for like 15 minutes. It's just gas and air. And I look at, I look at Schroeder, which was Pete Tong. The names yeah. had to be changed. Yeah. And I know his career is well and truly over. 
<laughs> so you know it was it was venomous but it was true yeah. it was like but mother as a piece is still a tragic opera and yeah. will be made into a tra- tragic opera in the coming years um but i but i knew that album had to be made but i think in terms of best work you know going to, to thailand and and being being no one just walking around and people just say you know they call me Fantong in my village yeah which just means mr gold and that's it <laughs> you know yeah he's a bond villain you went from being in a bond movie not to be the fucking to, to being like this guy who lives in the village and and, and he's they say yeah he 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 fantong he clothes and i'm like i realized that because what happened was we shipped i shipped everything i wasn't coming back here and i have i've got a really vast collection of shit man like clothes like stussy like mad hill figure and i just gave it all away man yeah. i just had it where was I'm, i man <laughs> But I gave it to all these Burmese camps. Oh, really? Right, that around right. the village that build all these villas for these people. So I'm looking up and he's going, Yo, Fan Dong! And he's wearing like a cool hill figure top. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, he, and this guy's wearing like a Stussy rayon with orchids. <laughs> and he's just plastering his paint fucking all over his shit. I'm like, Yeah, man. Wear it like Yo, you that hate would be, it. That man. would be the best like catalog Cat- for Stussy that would be or the best. Supreme. I always said this. It would be the best. Like, spackling some shit in Thailand. Like, what? Yeah. You know? Yeah, it would be amazing, and I think I think it taught me something because I've all I you know we hold on to shit because of of, of a, a past and what it done to us, mm-hmm. you know, and we've all, we always live in that kind of past, and I think it taught me a lot about myself because because it, it was all in storage for eighteen months. And if so, you don't need it, you don't. Use, I, I open yeah. I open this case. I'm like, what the fuck did I even ship this for? This cost me money, man. They weighed this shit yeah. and they shipped it. So we were two t-shirts or oh, some shit, no, right? No, yeah. they were like they were like they were over. There are over a thousand pieces. I mean, in wow. terms of just t-shirt, there was like crazy shit. But the um, thing is, we get, see, we come from modest beginnings, so if anybody gives us shit, we keep it. Because yeah. you never know. You never know if you're going to need that t-shirt, well, or you're going to need yeah. that baseball hat, or those pair of kicks you get for free. My wife was crazy. She was like, you better lose that shit, oh, man. Yeah, so yeah. she, she, she kind of like slowly started kind of like getting rid of shit. <laughs> My wife calls it editing. Ed- goes, you need to edit this. And I, I call it unfucking. So I can't say it. I'm like... So I'm like, I can't unfuck that. That's my life. She goes, edit that shit. Oh, no, fucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, fucky, yeah. So um, I did that. And we, we were very lucky because my wife knew these really, really great Chinese Thai people that we've done a lot of work. She did a lot of work for and them a lot of money. And they said, yeah, we'll, we'll get the land because what? it's 51% to them and 49% to us. But the house is with us. It's our land. We built it from scratch. We built it around a beautiful 200-year-old tree. Oh, man. I went to the tree house. And, and oh, I really? built- so what you got... Oh yeah, there. I built a tree. It's like right in the canopy. It's, right, kind of it's right up in the in the in the mountains. It's in the canopy of the jungle, and it overlooks the sea to the right. And it's the treehouse. And there's a recording studio cut into the hillside. And it's just an amazing the karma yeah. of this place. Because remember that I come from all this stuff, and I ended up getting my first record deal. I'd always been in tenement yards, mm-hmm. Dorney. Yeah. My, my 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 mentor's been evacuated from. It's in Dorney Tower. Um, you know, I've gone from that to New York to Miami to Dorney Tower to buying my, to getting a record deal and get my first house. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I, I had to let go of that house because it was a really bad divorce in that house. But letting go was the best thing because of the Hoffman. Mm-hmm. We end up in Thailand with this new thing for the family, and we, we've you know we have Coco Sakuko, who's a wonderful six year old, and she goes to school with no shoes on, and she does a math lesson in That's the forest awesome. counting yeah. trees. That's all I want, man. That's all I really want. So, so that's I mean, all you, I you, want. so you came, you came up in like this urban decay kind of vibe. We're about the same age, right? I came up in the same thing. I got a place out in Somerset. I fucking love it. My wife wants to get back to the city as soon as possible, but 
for me, I think in a lot of ways you find the stuff that you thought was so foreign more comforting mm. than the stuff you grew up in because it's it, it's it. I guess it shows that you've kind of changed the way you think a little bit about stuff that you came up. Because, I mean, I, everybody talks to me about New York City. Like, Huey, tell us about New York City. It's like, I can't. It's too personal. It's personal. You know? Well, you said Muhammad Ali. You know, a great quote Muhammad Ali said that, you know, if you get to 30 and you know everything, if you get to 50 and you're saying the same shit you were saying when you're 30, yeah. you haven't learned anything. Oh, damn. You know, and I think 20, I think for men, Saturn's return, what he says is from 28 to 32, that period is what some people call midlife crisis. I call it, it's just Saturn's return. It's an actual <laughs> real thing where all the planets line up to the same line as when you were born. And that's why we stop and we question everything. Yeah. It's a real thing. And women, it happens a lot earlier because they're, you know, not as stupid as us. Yeah, they're not bothered. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, and we just hang on to shit. But that period of doing that, you know, we've had, the, we built a house five years ago. We've been living in it for like, well, we're living in it for like three, five, three years. And we built it five years ago. And, um, it's just, it was literally serendipity, and I've, I have to quote David on this. David Barry told me, I always remember him reaching out, he wanted to do a track, and I'd had a five-day bender, I woke up as a record mailer, and I see the words, and I, I write this really in graph font, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, write in capital, capital letters. I don't write in nothing else, <laughs> yeah. there's no lowercase to me. Yeah. And it's a beautiful script, it's kind of, it's, I've took him a long time to master it, but it's a great script. Yeah. And one of the lines in it says, Tomorrow for you to know that sorrow hides in sculpture. And, and, I, and I faxed it to David's office through, through for Alan Edwards, his manager, who's, who's still his manager now. God rest him. And uh, he, 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 gets the, he gets the fax and he, he, we, we hang out. We go and have dinner. And then we, we're gonna, we've got the date arranged. And we're going back to a studio in which he already recorded Space Oddity 20 years before. Which one uh, was it? It was Space Oddity. It was St. Anne's Court. Oh, yeah, man. And there was a, tri a picture of him in a trilby, which, yeah. which I, I went to after the deal was made with Timeless, doing that second album. You know, I was, a man of, I was a man of the moment. So, you know, I was in town a lot. I was at all the bars we used to meet at, and <laughs> those, those parties. Oh, gold is here. Thank you. And I saw, Mel, I saw Mel Gaynor, and Mel Gaynor's from Simple Minds. I got this studio. I want to sell it. Yeah, yeah. So we got a Mel Gaynor studio in St. Anne's Court in Soho. And I make the, I seal the deal. We buy the studio, and Rob Playford gets it for Moving Shadow. He moves from Stevenage, where he's done Timeless with me, to Uptown to do this second album. And I pass Bowie's image every day, thinking, hmm, I wonder if... Nah, it's never going to happen. And then, lo and behold, there's a phone call saying, that baby wants to meet you, we love Timeless. So he, you know, he comes down, and he walks in the studio, we're about to record, and he, he looks at the words, and he, he looks at it, and he... he um, he says, he says the line. He goes, where did you get that line from? It's a great line. Oh, I don't know. He went, you just, just got it out there, right? I went, yeah. He went, did you know that Michelangelo said that if you blow the dust off the, off the marble, the sculpture already exists inside? And it was just like, yes, air punch. It was like a Karate Kid moment. Yeah, was the, all the greats, like that dude, I mean, I met him a couple of times. We used to hang out a lot when he come to New York. They never took credit for any of this shit. Yeah. You, like if you talk to, like David Bowie would never say, yeah, I, I wrote that. Yeah, you know, he, he was just like he was. He literally—they call it lightning in a bottle. Keith Richards calls it lightning in a bottle. Like they're not responsible for any of this stuff, and that's that's, the, that's when that's you the get on that rhythm. That, that's you know that that frequency where it's just vibrating right. You yeah. know, and it's that in that in that respect, I ain't, I haven't wrote any of this motherfucker. This album, <laughs> yeah. this album's come yeah. because it's clear the conduit. Mm -hmm. It really is. It gets to a point where you know you. I know rich people, 
and they've, they've got which he's got to yeah, the watch the car but I know wealthy but I know <laughs> but I know wealthy people that would that would pass me but would pass I'm just but I know yeah. yes but I know <laughs> but I know wealthy people that would, that would pass you in the street and you wouldn't know because their wealth is outside of the gravity of the bullshit. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's what I kind of realized. I, you know, I'm Goldie. I used to wear all this. I used to, I used to be caked with everything. I, just yeah, I, used wear, to, I used to ask you to borrow shit for gigs. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, I had everything. I said, I, I couldn't bring all my shit over. I can't borrow that chain for that gig. I still have it, but I don't wear it. I wear my Goyas and my Goya for my daughter, and that's it. And I'm go- I became that, and yeah, that's it. When you, I know that you're a big proponent of yoga, right? And the Yo Gangsters, which I think is great. Yo Gangsters. No, but this is important shit because I guess within the last 20 years when we first started hanging out to where we've hung out now, we've both had a lot of of issues to get to where we are. But I think we're we're both at a really cool place. Did yoga facilitate you having that real clear vision of what this record was going to be like? Because it's almost as if they're kind of, we were talking about, I guess, self-knowledge. Yoga is all about that. You have to learn about your body. You have to yeah. learn about your spirit. You have to try to get the two to actually hang out, which is which is tough. pretty difficult. Yeah, I think is I think the thing that I realized that when I did the Hoffman, going back twelve years, that was the one that really emptied the box and took the box apart, and I had to find out where the box was designed. Because mm-hmm. I think AA is about taking these out of a box, but you still have mm-hmm. a box. Yeah, and you still got to put shit in the box. Yeah. So exactly, who built that box? Yeah, who built why the box? Is it so damn uncomfortable. Yeah, why yeah. is the box? And, and what does it look like when you flat pack it? And you look at it and the design, and that really was the main spark. And then it was about. You know, Michael Koppman from, from like Stussy and Gimme Five. He's Mike, a big yoga head, right? Well, Michael's, Michael got me into Bikram. Michael's like, I'm like, why is this motherfucker so chilled? I'm like, I want to smack this guy. <laughs> you know, I just want sm- to smack him around the chops. He's like, yeah, man, this is Bikram, baby. I'm like, well, what do you mean Bikram, baby? He's like, yeah, yoga. It's Bikram, baby. So I'd go to, I'd go, I, he said, come and I'd gone with him. So Bikram is the hot stuff, right? Bikram was invented by Bikram Chowdhury. He came from India. It's based on Hatha. There's also Vinyasa, which is the god of yoga. You know, Stuart Gilchrist is God. He is God. Well, sorry, I don't know much about yoga. Well, but a, I want people to. out there will know. Yeah. You know, because because Bikram kind of put it into a tin and it was kind of I get it. But the great thing about Bikram, as much as he's had a lot of personal mad stuff go on, the one good thing about it with him because he is a bit crazy. He's like no, I, I don't know. He's in, <laughs> most gurus get like this because they come to the West, but they're still kind of still Indian gurus. And they kind of have to, felicit- you know, they, he goes to LA and he's teaching Brooke Shields and Quincy Jones. It's going to affect him a little bit, right? So I, I, I kind of get that. You know, <laughs> scan- I'm just scan- trying to imagine all some these- Indian oh, no. guru dude, Brooke Shields and Quincy Jones well, in a room. Well, Abdul Jabbar was one, one, of, his, one, of, his, one yeah. of his pupils. Well, he, uh, he hung out with Bruce, uh, Bruce Lee. With Bruce Abdul Lee. Jabbar, so, yeah, yeah, so it was all of that. But then you get all these scantily like, you know, clad girls running around. And That's what got you on. into it, right? You know. No, but at first it's all about that. You think about that and you think, nah. But I realized that once I kind of sort through the bullshit, and also the way that people would throw themselves at Bikram, and he, but he was all into the fame, so he's kind of like he was kind of down calling that, me up yeah. and down and all these listening. He's like, oh, Goldie, you know, I did Squatch. I have 250,000 mini Rolls Royce. I'm like, uh, mm. but you're still wearing flame shorts. I get it. <laughs> I get it. But the practice for people in the West, I do like the way it's, it's 42 degrees. You're in a room with a mirror looking at what you think is you, and then it becomes a very ugly image of you because as soon as that starts to fall apart and the, and, the, and the ego gets beat the fuck out and you start to see the ugly self and you start to see the real. And finally, through that, you start to see the child you were, I think. Yeah. And I like the idea of that because I've been seven years practicing 
And I only practiced once this week, which I practiced like four or five times a week. So I'm gagging right now. I'm, mm. I'm like, where's the gear? You know, because yeah. within Bikram, one of the analogies, one of the best analogies I've said to people, you may knock it as much as you like. One, it should be taught in prison systems. Mm. Two, it should be in the school system. And, you know, I had the Vatican saying, yeah, it's demonic and all this shit. I'm like, uh, let me just Google molesters in the church. Let me just Google molesters in yoga. Uh, there's a few little kind of slap on the ass things with Big Ram Casey. He's calling you up with the flaming shorts. He's yeah, kind of molesting you. Know what I mean? you. Yeah, I mean, it's like up. whatever, yeah. you know. So I'm like, come on, man. And I think you can't fuck with some of this 5,000 years old that come out of India that these people are fucking levitating, man. Mm-hmm. And I look at that thing. And it's kind of got me into other themes of yoga too, you know, going back to the source, vinyasa, which is about opening, you know, and, 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 and pulling and, and inversions. But the thing about it is once, the analogy I say to people is, if I'm in a 90 minute class and I take away 44 minutes from the end, and I take away 44 minutes from the start, for that one minute, how I feel in the middle of that class, what would I pay for that shit? Because yeah. I'd pay a hundred pound a grand for that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's that kind of powerful. Because, listen, believe me, if, I don't know if any of you have tried coke out there, but it did nothing when you did a line when it began. You were like, what the fuck was that supposed to do? Like, <laughs> I mean, what the fuck was that? It's only when you start to use cocaine over a period of time, mm-hmm. you actually think, I'm a connoisseur. Are you comparing yoga to cocaine no, now? No, but I'm saying well, I am no, in a no, parallax. No, no, in, in a parallax, yeah, yes. Yeah. Because it's all about the endorphins. Yeah. It's all about you're searching for something. It's like people in New Orleans that are obese that are searching for something in the in the food. There's nothing in the food. We did come for a circle because like you're talking about the first time you were buying coke with your boy in New York. Yeah. You had to go through all that bullshit. All that bullshit. To get it. To get so it. you're talking about the first half of the, the Bikram session to get to, to that. To get to that point. It's exactly <laughs> yeah. that. That's awesome, right? dude. Yeah. And it's exactly that. That's awesome. But you see, once you, re- once you realize, you'll only get that high by practicing. Mm-hmm. You can keep doing coke, but you're not going to get any higher. You're going to fucking die. <laughs> you know, yoga hasn't killed anyone. Yeah. Maybe one or two, Maybe. But that dude who kept his hand in the air for like 30 years. I know, right? something, that, no. yeah, something like... Right, you hear about that dude? Yeah. You got the, he's just standing like this. Like, imagine like the first couple months his wife's like, come on, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. He's like, he's like, nah, nah, despite you, despite you, I will hold this up. And then a year goes by, she's like, fuck it, do it. That's and then, it. Yeah. So for me, for me within that, what, what it did more than anything, it took away the neediness because you, I couldn't sleep in a house with fucking coke in that motherfucker. I'd rip yeah. that shit to pieces. Wow. Like looking for a lost key that ain't going to open any lock, man. <laughs> and I mean that. You know, and it's like, you know, my friends are like, yo, G, what's up, man? I'm like, silly old you. I'd say, well, cool. Hey, you want that? No, you go ahead and knock yourself out. Yeah. I'm all right with that. Because I, I, I can't, I mean, I came from the, from the airport with Kiev and another festival back to back. I'm going straight from the airport, straight into that motherfucker, case and all. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because I get that skin. I'm like, I've got to get out of this skin. And I think, going back to the point, it, it, just, it just keeps my water clear. I can think of every concept possible. That's a great analogy, man. Because I guess it gets to the point where, at first, we don't care where we're swimming, right? Just the fact that we're in the fucking pool. All right, and then we're in the pool for pool 20 years. Pool of chlamydia. <laughs> maybe a, pools may be a bad analogy. Chlamydia might be an even worse one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, that's really bad. That's really bad. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of ego, you know, you know, men's egos swimming around like sharks, yeah. right? But, I, but I, think, I think as time goes by, and we were talking about finding a beautiful place in the world, Thailand, right? Finding a beautiful place in yourself, keeping that water clean. You know, I think that's kind of what we can 
only strive for being guys doing what we're doing coming out the other side because a lot of cats that didn't come out that didn't tunnel. come out that side man they didn't yeah. come out the tunnel and you know what that cbd is really kicking in right now yeah you good with that i'm good with that have you been messing with cbd for a while yeah um, it was a guy called crust i'd heard about it and crust got me into it yeah. i think you know taking that extract from hemp is for anyone out there man you know ailments you know, joints, Great clarity, stuff. it's good stuff. And it's, I'm going to do a pod on that. I've been talking to a bunch of people, talking to Kay, his girl Sophia, all them. Oh, it's a beautiful yeah. thing. And I think, you know, look, there is no answer. There is no magic wand, man. You know, and I I, I came out, as, I was in some meeting and Grabs, I came out there and I'm, I, have a, I have this like American spirit, you know, I have a cigarette. This guy goes, oh, but, but you do yoga, man. You, you're smoking a cigarette. I'm in a fucking Dalai Lama. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you, know I mean? you yo, that would be great though if you were. The, the, the next one, yo, think about what a PR fucking gain that is for all the Buddhists, man. They'd be like, yo, we we did love the we old Dalai Lama, but ladies and gentlemen, the new Dalai. Yeah, we found him. We found him. We found him, and we didn't have to go to Wolverhampton to find him. You know, but, but I think I think the beauty of, of all of these things is that I really mean it, guys. I really mean it, man. You're we're all the same here, and I say to people, man. It's eight points of fucking blood, man. You piss and shit. The only thing that makes us different than the fucking animal kingdom is a fucking door and some really good bog paper, man. Because the minute we got up on our, the minute we got up on our fucking hinds and learned to walk, yeah. you know, we just like cunning beasts, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I really, and I really think that I think it's, I think for me within the music, and I've been doing this shit for twenty five years, and there's something you're going to register with this. There's a dutifulness with electronic artists, mm-hmm. I think. I've come out of synthetic. I've learned to talk over a guy's shoulder when a program was in black and white going vertically. Now I speak over a shoulder of that going horizontally in color and it's a lot easier to do. And But I can take it further than that and work with instrumentation and sing what the fuck I want you to do. And I know this is the point. Some musicians spend their whole fucking lives learning to play guitar, a flute and drums and you're 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 an electronic artist, and you get to, you get paid fucking probably a hundred times more to push buttons, and you can't put some soul into that shit. So for me, don't get me wrong, there is some soulful electronic music, but I think there's a lot of cop out too. There's a lot of fudge out there, man. You know what I mean? And they know because it's the industry. It's like fuck that. I'm, yeah, but you wouldn't feed it to your fucking kids, would you? Could you imagine a rock band going and going, let's play really fucked up shit? Here. <laughs> and he go, I ain't gonna play it to my kids. Yeah, Wait, what's your exactly. album like, Dad? I listen. Oh, no, listen to that shite. Yeah. You wouldn't do that. So if you if you can do that from a band point of view, you're gonna do it electronically. Why would you do that? You know, any other time, it's music. All you're doing is saying, "Well, our music is not as important because it's electronic, but it pays ten times more." Yeah, I've never got that and yeah, because I, I don't engineer. I don't give a fuck about that machinery. Yeah, because it's about it's joy- a means to an it's end. It's a means to an end, and you have to apply. And it's this graffiti thing again. What is art? What is graffiti? What is all of that? It's the application of a medium to a surface. Whether I'm spitting on a mic, whether I'm putting a pen to ink, mm. whether I'm fucking putting a towel on your arm, mm. whether I'm you know putting an acetate to a reggae dub plate, yeah. whether I'm putting my fingers onto these strings. It's the application of medium to a surface. Mm. So I'm really about that. Well, the, the fact that you can you can succinctly put that shit together is why you are Goldie and we are everybody else. And I think that's awesome. And like you, I was talking about, the, I was walking, I was watching the, the Yo Gangster thing, right? And uh, these kids, I mean the kids, these young people are doing these holds, right? When they're doing stuff, it reminds me of the old breakdancing kids, right? Is that, is yeah, that well, the I physicality think, of that? Well, is, I think the know. physicality of holding posture, I realized, you know, I was very, I was very early on because of the breakdancing early on in my life. 
I got standing head to knee really easily. And I was like, look at me, the big <laughs> fucking high I am. And I was like, standing head to knee, both legs, yeah, great. And then I realized, it ain't about that. You know the hardest posture for me is? I'll show you. <laughs> yes, y'all. Really, just two minutes. That's the hardest question. Because I want to fucking wipe the sweat. Yeah. I want to fucking do this. I want to twist this. Dead man's pose. Yeah. Dead man's pose. Yeah. It's the, it's the hardest pose because that's where the discipline. That's where the discipline comes in. Dead man's pose. I mean, when I was when I was in boot camp in the Marines, they had it was in South Carolina. It was the it was springtime. They had sand fleas all over the place, and all they wanted you to be able to do was stand still. And if you moved, that was the discipline. If you moved, that. You knew you screwed Thumbers yourself. on your eye. Yeah, you know? And you're in this room thing. doing this shit. And I realized that. And it started to change because it was all about this as well. It was like, I go to a gym. You know, I look at pictures of me and I'm completely ripped. Like, I'm tanks, man. I'm proper tanks. I mean, Barbados, I'm ripped. I'm out to see. I'm like, James Bond. I'm walking out to see like this. I'm just like, hold the boss. Like, I'm taking crunch, a shit. Crunch, crunch. Like, I'm taking a shit. <laughs> and then I go to the gym and I'm like, is he looking now? Yeah. And I'm like, He's just holding my fucking breath. And men, we hold our breath. And I start to learn and have been taught through that big, that really yeah, difficult it's, it's about breathing, breathing, man. Yeah. Holding bow. Holding bow and breathing through bow. And extending through bow. And just breathing and just, <laughs> you know. Like, what the fuck? I know. And it's one of those things. And you know what? It's the effeminate. Yes, it is the effeminate. I'm sitting in a fucking pair of budgie smugglers and I'm in a room. And the thing is, I was in, when I first started doing it, I, I, my first two lessons, I walked out 20 minutes. I'm like, fuck all this shit. It's fucking bollocks, man. All this caper. Do you know what I mean? Because like, I couldn't act as my ego. My ego was like, nah, man, get out of here. You don't want to be doing this shit. <laughs> and it's like, when I started to be in there, and I, and it, I became, it, came, it became overwhelming, the heat. Well, am I going to pass the fuck out? But then I thought to myself, what saved me was, hang on a minute, theory. When you're buzzing off your nut with your mates at a party, in that said party, yeah. and you go from the bar to the house, and it's the private, and you're in the inner sanctum of drug use, and you go to that house, and you're buzzing, you're like, I've got a few lines, there's some more acid, there's some more, you're like, oh my God, I'm buzzing off my tits, I'll do another one. Because you, you, know, you, you do that, you, you beat yourself yeah. up, and push yourself to the edge, and when you come down, that's what the yoga was like. I'd have like, 10 downers hit me like, bam, and I'm coming down, and I can't leave the fucking room. I don't want to leave the room now. And it's, and it's coming out of me. And it's coming out of the joints. It's coming out of my fucking butt. It's coming out of my loins. It's coming out of my feet. It's, I mean, it's not literally coming out. But it's, it's all of that stuff. We keep all that shit here, man, in the hips. You know, you think about it. I brought my hand nine fucking times. I've been fighting with this shit for years. I got stabbed in the arm fucking twice. You know, I got fucking shit on my ribs. I got this leg injury. It's all my left side. It's the effeminate side of my body. Wow, that's... The right is the male... The left is the effeminate. Left is where your heart is. So do the math. So that's the thing with yoga. And Yoga Gangsters is a company where, you know, got some great ambassadors. We're doing the Om Yoga show this year. Stuart Gilchrist. Um, and it's going to be great. So over to you. I mean. You know, well, I did want to mention you also, I was going to tie it in all clever like, because that's what I do now. Is <laughs> Don't laugh. I'll kick all y'all out, man. 
No, but you're on tour now. So how is tour? Like you're doing a UK tour in the middle of it, right? Yeah. Well, I've just. Well, I'm no. Well, but you're the, doing the, festivals over the yeah, weekend. Festivals right? weekend, yeah, festivals weekend. But the live tour is with the Heritage Ensemble from yeah. the 14th of November to the 24th. Yeah. We just did Henley Festival the weekend. Yeah. How'd that and the, go? And the crazy thing about that, before we get to the Q and A, is that we've always been chastised by the conservative people uh, for like ravers going out in fields. <laughs> These guys were fucking nuttier than ravers. They were like, as soon as that shit starts drinking that shit and the ties are up, like, ah! it was like watching animals. They're trying to climb on the fucking stage. I'm giving someone a high five and they're like trying to get this up. It's on like the crazy stage. Victorian. Yeah, it's yeah. some Victorian shit. And I'm like, wow. But you know, these people haven't even heard this fucking music probably. And it, we, they were on the, they wouldn't sit down. It was crazy. Um, so we did that. We did the orchestra shows. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a big thing to do those shows, but it's amazing. Two dramas and percussionists, and we we go at it with a full full forty two piece orchestra, um, and I love it the fact that I can go and DJ with metalheads, my not me, know my guys and yeah. the label, on an underground thing in Kiev. I can come back and be a Ronnie Scotts with the ensemble. I can go for Ronnie Scotts and do the orchestral show, and it's a it's a it's a different layers of goalies. All those layers that people thought I was mad at you yeah. twenty years ago. They said. He wants to orchestrate drum and bass. Fuck, he's fucking crazy. Uh, I want to do IP the classics, said Pete Tong. I want to do, you know, Hacienda classics. They're all doing it now. They're realizing that I wasn't as mad as people thought I was. He's a Renaissance man. It's yeah. true, bro. I mean, I, we used to hang out all the time. And, it's crazy. You know, everybody's got something to say about someone who ain't in the fucking room, right? And I've noticed that a lot, right? And, yeah, of course. And people you know say what? some shit. Yeah, they do, but they ain't in the room anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Well, folks, that was some amazing stuff right there. If you've got any sense, you're already subscribed, ready, and waiting for part two to drop later this week. You might think there's not much left to share, but we really get into some great questions from the audience, so you don't want to miss part two, the live Q&A with Goldie on Huey, off the record. Until then, stay classy. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.